1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Homesteading can be an expensive hobby. It also, if done correctly, can be a opportunity for us to not only make money, but actually grow our wealth over time. And I have a really awesome bonus podcast for you guys today. I say bonus because this was not recorded as a podcast. It actually was a vlog that we did on our YouTube channel. We are outside. I am interviewing John Pugliano, who has been on the podcast before, talking about using our homesteads to make some money. The episode was so good, and it was about a half hour. I thought, man, this would be fantastic to share with the podcast audience. I just wanted to warn you, it wasn't recorded in the studio. The audio quality is not what you're used to on a podcast, uh, but it's not that bad. We are out on the farm. You're going to hear some goats. You're going to hear some chickens. You're going to hear some pigs. Here's a quick example. These cows go out. They feed themselves. You saw them today. They're out on the pasture. They feed themselves. Pays dividends. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you have a surplus, and then the question becomes, what did you do with that surplus? If you want to start a homestead, guess what? Get used to it. You're going to hear some goats, chickens, and pigs. The audio quality isn't recorded in a studio with a really good quality microphone, but it sounds fine. You're going to enjoy this show, and you're going to learn so much about how you can change your life, really, financially speaking, while homesteading with the help, not hindrance, of your homestead. So I know you're going to enjoy it. Before we dive in, there were a couple things I wanted to tell you about before we get into this bonus episode. Friend of the Homesteady Show, she's been on it before. Sarah Rowe has started a podcast. She was on our show last fall talking about changing her life as a professional wrestler and becoming a homesteader, farmer, uh, starting a family, and sharing that experience with us. Uh, you can listen to that episode, Homesteady Interview with her. If you just search Sarah Rowe in our feed, you'll find it. Uh, she had me on her podcast to talk about getting started homesteading. Her and her co-host Tony were really, really fun to talk with. They had a lot of questions about building a more sustainable life, kind of from the ground up, uh, where I would suggest starting from. So if you're a beginner, a homestead dreamer, or even in the middle of your walk, but you're looking to grow, you will definitely enjoy that episode. I'll put a link to that episode that they interviewed me in the description of this podcast. You can go and check it out. Tell Sarah hello from the Homesteady audience. Second thing I wanted to tell you about, another friend of the Homesteady show, Robin from Cheese from Scratch. She was on our show just a couple episodes ago talking about making cheese from scratch. She has launched her, what she calls Milkmaid Society. It's her membership program for 
cheese from scratch. She's designed this program to be a support program to anybody who's starting or growing their family homestead dairy operation. She's sharing recipes, instructionals, and uh, advice just on how to balance your life and have a family milk cow and make all these delicious milk products. She's got a podcast for members only. Really, really cool program. She is actually giving Homesteady Pioneers a free month of this program to try out. So that's a $18 value. I'll put a link in the description for everybody to go check out the Milkmaid Society, but Pioneers, I'll also have a link for you if you head on over to the Pioneer Library under the discounts section. There you find all the discounts that I've been able to get for Homesteady Pioneers for all sorts of products. Uh, there you'll find our latest post talks about Robin's Milkmaid Society and has a coupon code which will get you an entire month of membership for free. You can try it out. You can watch all the videos that are there, listen to all the bonus podcasts. If you like it, stick around and support her. If you don't, you got a free trial. So perfect way, check it out and uh, learn something about family milk cows, making cheese. Robin is really fun. I follow her on Instagram. I learn a lot about making cheese from her daily Instagram posts. And uh, you're all going to enjoy that for sure. One more thing I want to be sure you all know about uh, CoolBot. We've worked with them before. Our on-site butcher facility is powered by a CoolBot. The CoolBot is a little piece of hardware that you use to kind of hijack an air conditioner unit and turn it into a super powered air conditioner that you can use to super freeze a meat storage, a meat locker on your homestead, or even a vegetable storage area, any room that you need to keep super cold to store any of your homestead food or products in, you can use a CoolBot for. They're doing a giveaway, and you can win a CoolBot for free. So I'll have a link to the giveaway. Uh, also, if you want to learn more about the giveaway, how it works, I'll have a link. You can learn more about it through that link. And I uh, did a special video in partnership with them where we talked about how we use the CoolBot on our farm. If you'd like to learn more, you can check that video. I'll also have a link to that as well. Now, without further ado, let's dive into this episode. I know you're going to love it. Again, audio quality, it's not in the studio, but it's its great. We record with nice microphones on the YouTube channel too, so <laughs> don't worry. It's going to sound good. I hope you enjoy three simple steps to making money from your homestead. Ten years ago, we started a farm business with the hopes of really becoming full-time farmers. I realized that I could raise a lot more pigs than I could eat. I could make some nice money selling pork. Pork. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's a four-letter word for the pigs. I was able to actually make a full-time living from my homestead, although it wasn't as a pork farmer. In today's video, we're gonna talk about these three simple steps that you can take to build wealth and maybe eventually be self-employed from your homestead. <laughs> All right, so I'm thinking of calling this video, I've been following the Wealth Steading Podcast by John Puglano for years. The name Wealth Steading Podcast, he's a big fan of the homestead life. He applies homesteading principles to building wealth. If someone is a dreamer and they're just about to get started, they're just about to take the plunge, or maybe they're even saving a little bit money to take this plunge, if they want to use a homestead to build wealth, build a lifetime of being able to do what you want on the property that you love, where do they start? 
Yeah. So with all, any investment, whether they're investing in the stock market, a homestead, if they're investing in a relationship and going to get married, I always encourage people uh, to start where they're at. In the case of a homestead, I mean, think about where you're at right now. You know, are you living in an apartment in New York City? Well, not probably a whole lot of homesteading options there. But if you're on the outskirts of a, of a city or a town where you know there's rural property nearby, or you know, maybe you are in a city where you can at least you know, do some gardening and things, wherever you're at, start there and then figure out how you can ease into it because you don't want to get over too much overhead. The biggest problem is you hear like a new business, oh, they all fail within five years. Well, that's because they're undercapitalized. So start with how much money you have, a realistic dream of where you want to go, and then get that first property that fits into it so it's manageable. If you can, it's best to get something you can grow into. John, one of the things I've loved following your information through the Wealth Studying Podcast for years, you kind of lay out a very simple, might not be easy building wealth, but it's a very simple process, kind of a three-part journey that everybody's got to take if they're going to build wealth in their life. And this applies to homesteading, no doubt. You need to always start with earning. Uh, you know, everybody wants to get rich quick. Everybody wants to be an investor. They want their investment to go to the moon. That's <laughs> highly unrealistic. That's gambling. That's speculation. That's what you do when you buy a lottery ticket. But in real life, when you want to build wealth, and it doesn't matter what kind you, you want to build, uh, you're starting with earning. You've got to figure out how to generate some kind of an income. Step one. Step two, not glamorous, it's save. you got to yeah. pay yourself first and keep a portion of what you're earning. Because if you don't, you're never going to have anything to invest. So earn, save, and then finally and only then, you start investing. Someone's looking for a property. Let's say they, they find their little place. They arrive day one. What's the approach you would suggest as they start to build up their homestead if they don't have skills, if they don't have uh, you know background knowledge, if they didn't spend some years already learning this? With, with this approach, this well-studying approach, where do they go from day one? You know, Austin, I said that the, the three steps are uh, earn, save, invest, and you only invest at the end. Let me step back a second, because really, you're investing from day one, but that early stage investing is in yourself. Yeah. Okay, so don't think of it in, in terms of traditional investing where you're uh, you know, putting money into assets or anything, but think in terms of how you're investing in yourself. Because you're never going to earn anything unless you're productive. You're never going to earn any income unless you're productive. Okay, so one of my wealth building principles is that production is a source of wealth. Okay, and then again, that applies to individuals as well as corporations. So that first day one when they get there and they have their property, they need to acquire the skills, right? And get them on YouTube, get them from your fantastic channel, buy books, go to seminars, you know, meet people. However they acquire that knowledge, it, it doesn't matter because we all learn differently, right? Some people are auditory, some people are visual. Learn and get the information and digest that right piece by piece. We've talked about this before. We've had you on the podcast before. But when you think about a uh, like a carpenter, you think about a plumber, they have an apprenticeship, right? They spend years learning the skills before they would ever imagine, hey, I'm going to open up my own plumbing or carpentry business. I find for some reason in the homesteading world, these skills, we refer to them as back to basics, simple living. But you know, homesteading is hard. Hard work. There's hard, there's skills that you, whether it's butchering, whether it's preserving, whether it's canning, right? You probably, if you didn't grow up this way, you don't have these skills. And although we assume, oh, it's going back to basics, I'm going to start a farm and make all the money I need from selling 
carrots, there really is a huge learning curve. Absolutely. Right? What are ways people could acquire skills before they even get the land? Yes, and, and again, they're watching your podcast, which is a great step, your, your uh, vlog. It, it is funny, though, how you mentioned that you know, people think about it and they think it's easy or they think, well, my parents did it so I can do it. We all have to learn from square one, right? I meet yeah. so many people that they see me and they say, oh, I, I want to trade stocks like you. Well, I've been doing this for 37 years. Right? I know I make it look easy, but <laughs> it isn't easy. And, and just because you're you know, a plumber doesn't mean you're going to automatically be able to move into a homestead. But at the same time, you are coming in with these skills, whatever it is, whatever you're coming in here with, you have some kind of skills. And again, that's where you're starting with and you're building on those. I really encourage people. Uh, you brought up the apprenticeship part, and I forgot about that. That is really... I've a, been following well study a long time. That's something I haven't taught. <laughs> In fact, I'm just coming up on the eighth anniversary of hey, my podcast. Hey, congrats, this, this man. weekend, right? Independence Day yeah, was when I started. Yeah, that's right. 2014. So I'm actually going to go back and review some of those, awesome. some of that early stuff about, um, about the apprenticeship because that's where it starts. A lot of times I'll hear people say, you know, we should put more emphasis on the trades or I wish government would do this or do that or, you know, I wish society had more respect for tradesmen. Yeah. Who cares what society thinks, yep. right? You do it yep. in your life. You put more, more uh, respect there and application. And when you do that, you'll find that there's a niche not being filled in the market anyways. Um, but how it all relates to us is, is you just create your own apprenticeship, right? There's going to be one, create one and, and find out those, start with a small list, find five things on your homestead that need to be done for you to live there comfortably and start generating some kind of an income and, and income can even be what you're taking out of it, right? So not, so if you start with raising chickens, it doesn't mean you're gonna have to sell the eggs or sell the chickens, but all that food that you produce for yourself is money you're not spending somewhere else. So that's what's fungible. This is a perfect example, John. We've been raising meat chickens for our family for, I think, 12 years now. And in 12 years, we, we did toy a little bit with selling meat chicken, and we realized there's a lot of red tape if you want to sell chicken. So we don't really bother. But we still have three chicken tractors behind us here where we every year will run a batch of 100 meat chickens through to feed our family. And although we don't sell it, if you go buy 100 Cornish Cross meat chickens at the farmer's market, they're selling even here in Western PA for 30 or 40 bucks a bird. So that's a lot of money we're saving by working here on the homestead and at the same time we're acquiring skills. Right, and so that's the investment that where money's fungible. Even though you're not selling that, that's money you don't have to earn, and right. it's actually better than earned income because earned income, you'd have to pay social security tax yes. and you know, you know all the other assorted taxes with it, all the income taxes. So by producing for yourself, you're ahead of the game, and that is income. You should always think of that as income. That's an awesome point. I haven't covered this in a long time on the channel, John, but uh, every fruit tree you plant, the apple you don't have to buy, Every chicken you raise, money it's money you don't have to earn and then pay tax on. It's a huge earning. Mm -hmm. My freezers are very valuable, but it's not taxed. It's not taxed. You're not taxed when you earn it. So you have another 15, 30, 40% to pay up on what bracket you're in, right? Yeah. To put to it. And then when you harvest it, you're also not paying capital gains taxes. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it's a win-win. And remember, this is why we're calling it a homestead, or that's why yes. it's called a homestead. It's not a, a farmstead. 
It's not a factory stead. It's not an income stead. It's a home stead because first and foremost, it's a home. Yeah. It's there for your production and what you and Kay are doing, like with the kids, right? It's all about the family and building that here because yep. the environment you're creating for your kids is something you you couldn't do in a in an apartment in a city exactly. somewhere, right? So what's that cost you? Right? Exactly. What's the value of that for generations? Because this property's been in your family for how many generations? This, my kids, it'll be the fifth generation. Fifth generation, yep. right? Think about the lives that were changed by living oh, in a yeah. place like this. Yeah. This is one of the reasons that your show appealed to me so much in the early days. You acknowledge that wealth is more than just the money you have in your wallet, right? You talk about wealth in the form. One of the things I love you talked about is wealth is freedom. Mm -hmm. And when I look at our lifestyle, I could make more money doing other things. But this lifestyle is the lifestyle I want. So why would I chase that elsewhere when I have it all here? And we can do that homesteading, you know, uh, homesteading, incorporating the things we love with our work, with our family, where every day some things feel like work. Right. Sometimes well, I got to edit a video or it clean is work, pig right? poop. I mean, it is work, right? It is work. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's the point. It, and that's what we want to stress that. It is not easy. Absolutely. No matter what you do, trading stocks. Yep. Raising animals, raising kids, right? Yep. Of, we, we both raise six kids. <laughs> we have six kids apiece. Um, that's work. Yeah. That's not easy. That, yeah. But but you reap rewards from that, and that's where the wealth comes from. That's why I look at it. It's holistic. It's it's not only the money. It's the health benefits. It's the state of mental health that you have. Yep. It's the family, the generational wealth you're building. Yeah. Those are those are all the amazing things that you're going to get better on a homestead than right anywhere else now when you start to find like you said find five areas of things you want to produce that maybe at first you're feeding yourself you start to get good at some of those and you get to where you're realizing a, a surplus when a surplus comes again you may sell it okay a point you brought up earlier today when we were touring the farm is you showed me the pigs that are drinking surplus milk yes so yes. you don't need the milk you don't want to sell the milk and it would be hassles to sell the milk, yep. right? Oh, yeah. Issues, red, right? Yep. red tape everywhere. But you can feed the milk to your pigs, and pork costs a whole lot more than milk. Yep. So, again, whether you sell that or use it internally, it doesn't matter. You're taking, one example is to keep just using that internally, right? Yep. Your, your problem is your solution. You're taking an excess <laughs> and building fertility back into your homestead. I take a half step right there, John. Just don't hit the fence. <laughs> That, that It'll would, get that you. That would be good video. It would make good video. That's true. Yeah. Maybe I should push you into it at the end. Pigs are actually perfect to talk about when it comes to uh, surplus because for us on our journey, we started raising food for ourselves on our homestead. We never really started to have a farm business. But then early on, we realized, you know, we can raise a lot more bacon than we can eat. <laughs> Sounds like a, a good challenge. <laughs> So our very first kind of toe in the water of starting our own business was selling pasture pork because we had a surplus. Of all the farm enterprises that we've done, uh, pastured pork has been our favorite one. It's been an easy one to market, it's brought us repeat customers, and we love the product. We love raising pigs, pigs are a great animal to have on the homestead. And you can make good income from pork, as we'll show in this video. Yeah, and I think that surplus is actually, when people get into homesteading, then they realize that is the hardest part of the homesteading, yeah. is getting rid of yeah. the excess. Because you can learn those skills to do animal husbandry and raise crops and do all those things, but to, to actually take it beyond your family, now you're talking distribution and yes. marketing, right? Distribution and marketing, 
Again, though, you learn those by apprenticeship. Yep. Um, the way we talked about before. Um, see what other people do. Take classes on it. Uh, start small. And, and again, start where you're at. Start small and... Um, you know, take just enough orders that you know you can fill and don't try and over extrapolate it or anything, but focus on that part about how do I start taking that surplus and getting it out of my family or off my property. Your first baby steps into the world of marketing and sales. If someone's brand new at selling things, where should they start? You start with your family and friends. They're going to be kind and, <laughs> and they're going to help you, right? But you, you only start there and even if you're just giving away free samples, do that. But then you got to move out. you got to get beyond your own comfort zone or you're never going to grow. And you got to really take your product to wherever you think that target market is. And if it's another town away, if it's another state away, country away, right? With the Internet, we can literally oh, yeah. sell anywhere. Uh, but you you got to start with your family and friends. But, you, again, they're going to be nice to you. They're, gonna, <laughs> they're not going to tell you your, your, your stuff is horrible or your marketing brochures are lousy. But you'll test that in the real world. And so take it out Take it out to someone, whoever that target market is. And, again, you're not going to know exactly what your target market is. You're going to speculate at first. That's okay. When I started my business, um, I have a completely different business model today than I did 10 years ago. Right? Totally different. It's changed because of the, the Internet, the podcast, all those things. But the overall concept of what I wanted to do is the same because I, I wanted it to be a lifestyle. And which is what you want on your on your homestead. You want it to facilitate the lifestyle you have. Um, so you're gonna you're gonna tweak things around the corners, as long as it's always beneficial to you. But take it to that outside the comfort zone to people that you don't know. So it's it's not the farmers market. It's not. Uh, your neighbor across the way because all those people already have what you have probably they're already if you're in western Pennsylvania with this beautiful fertile land everybody around you has it too so you can't just sell one farm over you got to go to you know the high rises of Pittsburgh or or the you know the back alleys of Philadelphia that's where you got to go not only over the years did we have to change uh, who we were selling to right we found when we were selling pork in northern Connecticut um like you said, everybody in northern Connecticut had farms. It's farmland. Southern Connecticut, and it got him. <laughs> Southern Connecticut was where people didn't have farms and did have money. Greenwich, Connecticut, they could afford farm fresh produce. They couldn't find a farm to go to it. So we moved locations. We also found changing our product from a tangible meat product to we experimented with educational products. So we wound up uh, early on in trying to sell chicken, we had a really hard time selling chicken. So instead of selling meat chicken, because of all the red tape and the low demand around us for it, we sold how to butcher a chicken classes. How can people diversify their single product? Maybe they start by raising pigs. What different areas could they look into diversifying not only where, but what they're offering? Yeah, you know, a lot of it's gonna have to do with your own talents and abilities. And that's why I really encourage people that I believe everybody can be wealthy. Yeah. Right? I, but you're not going to be wealthy by trying to be like Austin or by trying to be like John. You're going to be wealthy by being like you. And you bring talents and abilities that neither of us have. Right. And so rather than just try and mimic or copy or fake what someone else is doing, see what you have. What What are your core values and what are your skills and talents? Or, you know, are you a good writer? You know, zoom in on me. You can see I don't have a face for video, right? I'm, I'm, I'm more of a podcaster where I, I write things or I, I invest. So, you know, where is your ability? If you're a more visual person, you're, you're going to go in a different direction. Um, but that's what you want to do with with 
your whole approach. And you'll know that by the success you have. That's what yeah. I said. Go outside your friends and family because they're not going to criticize you. Take it to people that where you're going to get feedback and you're going to find people don't buy what you're doing. You're going to change it, see where that leads to sales. And you'll do the same thing with expanding this. So absolutely, educational content is huge. Um, but don't get lazy with that. Again, be creative. Don't do what just everybody else is doing. Look at maybe uh, on-site events. Look at maybe you traveling and becoming an authority and speaking in, at other events. Um, look at hosting people on your property. You know, if you have a big, beautiful property here, you have what most people don't have, right? So how can you either get people here mentally or physically to take advantage and to market what you have. And, and those are the areas you want to look at. It's kind of broad saying that, but you, you got to nail down at what you have and what you like to do. And the confluence of that, the next part is just what do people like to pay you for? And that's the key. You got to find something that's marketable, that has a customer base that people are going to buy. I even see, John, how you over the years, um, your business has changed. I started following you through the Wealthsteading podcast you wound up, you have obviously your clients with your investment firm. You wrote a book. Now, your book is a different offering to a different audience. And maybe you're not uh, getting wealthy off book sales, but you are getting different forms of capital, right? Where I might not be a client of your investment firm. We have a professional relationship. We've been on each other's shows. We've shared each other's audiences. You have a book that people listening to your podcast maybe on the more DIY side of the investing, can learn more from your book, right? They can get to know you better. So, so even diversifying your in your different um, offerings, you'll get people who will take your, you know, maybe someone's out to buy your pork, maybe someone's out to take your butcher class, maybe it's a different person. But by more offerings, you'll get more people. Yeah, in, in terms of sales, we talk about a sales funnel, yeah. right? And, and everybody hates sales. People always say, oh, I don't want to be a salesman. <laughs> sales is the highest paid profession, yeah. right? Because that's where the money is, and that's the direct interaction with clients and customers. So in sales, you think about a sales funnel, and you throw everything in the hopper that you can. What comes out the bottom is just that little individual sale that you create. Yeah. But you don't know where that came from. So you're yep. networking, you're marketing, you're meeting other people, you're interacting, you're building social capital, you're helping other people. Yeah. Someday they may or may not help you, right? My business mm -hmm. is a great referral business. People are happy with me, they tell their friends and family about it. So everything you do on your homestead, think of that funnel. I start with pigs, I move to something else. What other products can, can be associated with that? And again, everything coming back to you. What's your objective? What do you yeah. want to do with this land? What do you want your lifestyle and your family to be like? Yeah, and that will change too over time. And I find a lot of the building sales funnels, you'll find these different funnels start kind of repeating the cycles. The surplus can build, right? And now we wind up with maybe something we, we never planned on, actually having an excess of money that we've earned from our homestead, right? The third part of your wealth building principles investing how can we apply investing i mean we're on a homestead there's there's you know we're not talking about cryptocurrency here we're not talking about stocks and bonds is there a way we can actually invest in our homesteads where our dollars are like you talked about a lot are working for us beyond our physical labor every day yeah sure and again it, it, investing is the last step but really it's kind of the first step too because you're investing Cyclical. you're investing in yourself yeah to get those skills to be able to raise animals you get the you get the bigger animals like pigs you, you're constantly growing when you get to the point when you are throwing a lot off a lot of income then you have to focus on 
return on investment that can be measured in a spreadsheet. A lot of this other stuff you can't measure in a spreadsheet at first. But when you get to the, the big dollars and cents part of it, um, you want to focus on how do I turn that $1 into $2? How, you know, how do I make that money a slave? The Richest Man in Babylon is an old, old-time book, kind of corny, but he talks about there having your money work for you and be your slave. And you got to love money. You want $1 to become $2. So look around your property, and you know maybe you need fencing, but don't go crazy. Uh, start with what you need. Do your first quarter acre. Right? Don't, don't spend $100,000 to put in the whole farm. Start small, just like you did with your learning process, and work on the things that are going to make your life the best and going to produce the most income. Return on investment, it could be uh, your, your recording studio in your above, your, <laughs> above one of your barns. Yeah. It's also an apartment, yep. right? So you could live there, you could rent it out, you could have family stay there. Um, that's, that's an opportunity. Again, how you upgrade everything. How do you bring water into your farm? Where I, I really encourage homesteaders to even think outside of, of just investing in, in the property and the fertility. But, you know, there's a lot of people with RVs that want to go camping. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of people that have RVs and boats that have no place to park them when they're not camping or not at the lake. So they need to store them somewhere. And when they need to store them somewhere, well, maybe that's one step. And then the next step is, well, you have indoor storage for them, or you recharge their battery for them while they're gone, or you provide security, whatever. These are all areas that you, you're constantly reiterating on your farm based on your market as, as to what's available. And, and again, you want to start small. Try something that doesn't work, you try something else. I can think one of the best examples of that that we've done over the years is our dairy herd. Our dairy herd, we have been building over the years, John. We actually started, this is Luna. She is the daughter of Ladybug, who's on my t-shirt. She's no longer with us. We bought Ladybug. She was really, really good genetics. Uh, she was blind in one eye. So we got a really good deal on her because People were like, oh, I don't want to own a blind cow. But Kay already had experience around large livestock. She wasn't worried about working with a blind animal. And we knew we had really good genetics with Ladybug, where we could breed from her a whole herd of mini Jersey cattle, which have a lot of value. Mini Jerseys hold a lot of value. Uh, they're in high demand and low supply. So we started from Ladybug. We invested in this one cow. And at the time, it was a big investment for us to buy this one really you know special cow but we had experience we knew where we wanted to go with our homestead at this point we had experience with large livestock and we were able to from her grow this herd of cattle that we now have it was our first real investment where... in a distressed property yeah right? Right? So i like point. that yeah yep. you invested something that had a superficial flaw yes that that other people didn't want you saw the value right and again yeah. the key principle that i always talk about in investing find the value so you found the value in a cow that had one eye that other people didn't want, but it had fantastic genetics, and now you've got the wealth that's come as a result of that. We've had her daughter, her daughters had daughters, she had another daughter. So now we have, here in this homestead, we have four of her either daughters or granddaughters from that one cow. And wealth has built up there. You talk about our, our dollars working for us. These cows go out, they feed themselves. You saw them today, they're out on the pasture. They feed themselves, they water themselves. We gotta do some work for them. 
But they do a lot of that, and then they breed, and we get more and more. It, it pays dividends. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you have a surplus, and then the question becomes, what did you do with that surplus? In your case, you found another market. That's something that I think that other people need to look at. We talked a little bit before about, about finding the markets and things, but, you know, again, not, not just because you raise dairy cow doesn't mean you have to sell uh, beef or milk, right? You can, you can sell the calves. My state of Utah, that's what they do. They don't, we don't have the land to produce big dairy cattles, but they, they can produce a lot of calves, and that's what they sell. People that have homesteads, I think they neglect those other kind of markets that are non-food related. A lot of people could be, could be producing um, pets, right, dogs. Why not breed high-quality niche dogs that are in demand? And, again, you start out incrementally. Maybe you just start out with the dog that you like. You're making friends there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cows love me. Uh, You start out with, with, you know, the puppy that you like. You raise them. You breed them. You breed her. You get get your first litter. You see if you can sell it, right? Go go on from there. You build the business up slow. I know people that have started that way as just simply breeding animals that they loved. They become trainers. You know, they start training security dogs or... Um, dogs for people with special needs, and you're talking about an animal that's selling for five thousand to twenty-five thousand dollars or more. Oh yeah. Right? So it's it's finding the niche. It's a niche, so other people aren't doing it. Yeah. Right? You can't just replicate what everybody else is doing. Find the niche that is based on your circumstances, and take advantage of it. You have a YouTube channel where you talk about. I hope that was super helpful, and you enjoyed your field trip onto my farm. Now you have two new podcasts to go check out. Go check out the Wealth Studying Podcast. I, of course, will have a link to that in the description. And go check out Sarah Rowe's new podcast, Roseborg. The episode that I was on talking about getting started homesteading is a great episode I know you're going to enjoy. So I'll have a link to that as well in the description. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode, which is recorded in the studio, just like normal podcast, and I know you're going to enjoy that one too.